Welcome to The Art Career, a space breaking barriers by letting you sit in on candid, straightforward conversations with leading art professionals in visual arts, writing, music, theater, and film. I'm your host, Emily McElreath, and I invite you to join me for inspirational conversations with icons of our generation. We dive deep into topics like self-development, career trajectories, mental health, social justice, and the artists that have changed our lives. With each episode, our mission is to empower you, expanding your journey through the arts. Join us for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. The Art Career is thrilled to announce its partnership with Glimpse. Glimpse Guides are a collection of luxury guidebooks with an outstanding social mission we are proud to support. Featuring the best of hotels, restaurants, activities, and itineraries, For each featured city, Glimpse Guides also include recommendations and travel tips by a curated selection of tastemakers. The most exciting part of Glimpse Guides is 100% of their profits go to Give a Glimpse, which provides funding for educational travel scholarships for underserved students. What is better than that? Glimpse believe that travel is the most important form of education, and it is their mission to send as many deserving students abroad as possible. Glimpse also offers luxury trip design services with VIP perks like early check-in, room upgrades, restaurant and spa credits, welcome gifts, and more. Glimpse has quickly become our one and only travel planner. Go check them out at glimpseguides.com. And tell founder Jordan Rhodes that the Art Career Podcast sent you. Hello, everyone. I am so excited that one of our first guests on the Art Career Podcast is the artist Deja Patterson. Deja Patterson is a New Jersey-based artist originally from Mississippi. She earned her BA in Fine Art from Tougaloo College in 2017 After completing her undergraduate studies, she moved to NYC, where she completed her MFA in studio art at Queens College in the spring of 2020. Deja is a painter who addresses discrimination against plus-size women throughout her work. Voluptuous women are prominent in her examinations of body image, race, and sexuality. Deja Patterson, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We're thrilled to have you here. Deja and I recently met when I attended the opening of a group show curated by the great Courtney Childress. It was called Country Come to Town at Standard Space. The lineup was stellar, and I was honored to finally begin getting to know the woman behind these wonderful paintings. Deja, your work stimulates and moves me, and I'm really thrilled to have you here. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for the kind words. I'm excited to be here. So let's start with the basics. How did you become an artist? It was really inadvertent. Um, 
I actually ran away from being an artist. As I said, I was from Mississippi and I didn't really know any successful visual artist. New York, at the, like when I decided to be an artist, New York City really wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. So when I started my BA, I started off as an art major, but I quickly became discouraged. And I actually entered a pre-nursing program and I did nursing for two years. I completed all the prerequisites for for pre-nursing and I was on my way to nursing school. And I was like, yeah, no, I want to be an artist. So I actually ran away from it. And then finally I came into it. You just have to live in your truth. And that's really what it was. So like, I always knew that I wanted to be an artist, but I was concerned, like, how am I going to make money? I didn't really have a lot of, I I wasn't aware of like success stories. I wasn't surrounded by a real artist community and things like that. So (laughs) that's how I became an artist. Like after failing miserably (laughs) in GCHEM and human A&P, not miserably, but you know, it just wasn't fantastic. It Mm -hmm. wasn't a good time. You know, I was told like, oh, you'll always have a job if you're a nurse. And so I was at one day I just made up my mind and said, I do not care. I'm going to be an artist. And so it panned out that way. First of all, I, I had no idea that you spent <laughs> two years in a pre nosing program, yes. Really trying to run away from being an artist. Uh, we love our nurses. My sister's a nurse. I'm sure you would be a stellar nurse, but we're so happy that you hated <laughs> all of those <laughs> courses because Thank now you. we have your paintings. And I think, you know, starting this discussion out with that is so important for what we're doing here at the Art Career Podcast. You know, this whole notion of art, business, the trajectory of these artists' careers, Mm -hmm. the fears that these artists have, whether it hits them during undergrad, high school, graduate school, It's super daunting. Many of us don't hear many success stories in some of the small towns we come from. And so it's very overwhelming. And like you just said, to be able to really listen to your truth sounds to me like it it was something that was hard for you to do, but ultimately you succeeded in doing that. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. It really, it really, it really is hard. I just didn't have any examples. And so, like, my aim is to try to be, like, an example to people who don't live in the big cities Mm -hmm. and things like that. Like, and we can reach these people in platforms like this podcast, on Instagram, Facebook. We're more connected than we were, like, when I was in undergrad, which was, like, what, 2013 is when I started. We're way more connected now. And we're able to share our experiences live in real time. So, yeah, this what you're doing is really, really great. And I hope that, you know, other people become encouraged. That's the idea to, you know, reach young emerging artists that again need guidance and reassurance. Forward. Yeah, yeah. And reassurance with their, you know, because at the end of the day, and this is what I say, when you're launching yourself into the world as an artist, before you're gallery representation, you're a small business, essentially, right? Pretty much. I mean, you're working for yourself. Really quickly, back to schooling. I know that you you did receive your master's. Yes, I did. Is that something, if you're speaking to the younger generation, are you happy you received your oh, master's? Absolutely. Is it necessary? Oh, well, in my, in my experience, 
I can only speak for me. I think that it was absolutely necessary. Um, I do love my, I did love my undergraduate experience. However, going to school in rural Mississippi and then going to art school in New York City are very two (laughs) different experiences. And in my case, I feel like in undergrad, I honed my skills as a visual artist. And then when I went to go get my master's, it was more so concept-based. So I was able to, like literally on my application to grad school, I said, I want to find my voice as a visual artist. I painted like I was like in the Hudson River School, like these, (laughs) (laughs) it was bad. (laughs) Like, you know, just like very traditional things like that. So I feel like in my experience I was able to hone my skill like technically but then like I was able to learn more so about concepts when I got to grad school and those critiques were brutal <laughs> like literally on my very first grad school critique a student told me yeah you paint like you're in high school and she was right in retrospect like as I'm looking back I'm like yeah she totally was right brutal honesty and critiques are sort of essential to, to my experience in grad school and having different people from different backgrounds, like, all chime in. And I took a little bit of what everyone had to say. And, and I feel like for me, it was, I don't think that I would be painting the subject matter in which I'm painting today if I didn't go to grad school. You know, I just didn't have those influences, I said before, like, when I was an undergrad. So for undergrad, I did go to Tougaloo College. And then when I went to pursue my graduate studies, I went to Queens College, MFA. I think it's really important what you touched upon, the brutality of some of these critiques. I've spoken to so many artists. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, essentially, it's it's getting you ready to go out there and start presenting your work to the world, you know? I, and it's not. I mean, you 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 need thick skin for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I I do agree. And I think that I understand that I'm not for everyone. I I know that either you like it or, you know, I've gotten a lot of pushback for my work, the new direction that I've gone in since I've moved to New York City. So, and I've been questioned a lot by people who knew me from when I lived in Mississippi. And I was like, this is the direction I'm going in. And there's really no going back from there. Well, this is the perfect segue into something that I wanted to touch upon. Um, In simplest terms, sexuality or sensuality. I've really been thinking since I've been studying your work this past week, been thinking about the market for sexual, intimate works. And I've been thinking back in history about some of the great women artists that have depicted sexuality within their work. We have Jenny Seville, Nancy Grossman, Gada Mare. Um, whereas someone like Grossman denies her work being overtly sexual and reminiscent of sadism, masochism, but rather challenges the ideas of gender, identity, and fluidity, Gada Amer completely embraces it. Um, And I would love for you to speak to your work and your depictions of sexuality and the woman's body in your paintings a little bit. Okay, well... I typically depict um, fat women of color, typically fat black women. And I remember when the body positivity movement came out, when women went, okay, so take a swimsuit, for example, if a woman who was a size two wore 
a red swimsuit, you say, oh, she's so sexy. But me, I'm a size 24, 26. People would tell me, you are so brave, you know? So I feel like fat women weren't seen as a thing of desire, just... So that 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 is what I'm trying to say. Like, I am a thing of desire. And uh, so it sort of, I think it hits at, hints at sexuality and sensuality and being desirable as a plus-size woman. If someone is attracted to me, they are not doing me a favor at all. And I feel like sometimes that's, that what, that's what happens to fat women, you know, when they're putting themselves out there and, you know, embracing themselves as sexual beings, as sensual beings that, you know, like they're told that they're being brave or things like that. Well, I just want to be seen as desirable as other people who are not my size and who are my size and larger. Sure. So that that's sort of what I want to convey with my work, that fat black women are attractive, clearly. They are things of desire. <laughs> you know, like they they are, you know, they are I'm more than just a sexual being, but I think that, you know, I should be seen in the same light as other women who are smaller than me and or bigger than me. Sure. And you do it beautifully. <laughs> Thank you, really, you so really much. do. And I'm sure a lot of it, you just touched upon this, is in response to some of the shaming and discrimination that you felt and you approach it in just such a perfectly beautiful way. Thank you. In your works. Uh, and they're so colorful in so many ways, uh, <laughs> literally and in every way. Uh, I really, I can't tell you how much I, I love all of your paintings. As someone extremely passionate about mental health, seeing a therapist is essential to my quality of life. We'd like to take this moment to announce how thrilled we are to partner with the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling anxious, depressed, or even just overwhelmed, being alone with your thoughts can be an isolating feeling. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a the therapist in under 48 hours. It's that easy. Join the two million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And just for the Art Career podcast listeners, we will offer 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash TAC. That's better, B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P, dot com slash TAC. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring the Art Career Podcast. Subject matter. Okay. I depict fat black women, very specifically this demographic of women, because it's really about representation and what we see as beautiful. I remember the first time I saw a fat mannequin. I had been on this earth for 24 years and I literally stopped. I was in Target and I was like, oh my God, there is a mannequin that looks like me. And I really wanted to, I really wanted 
other people to have the same experience that I had. And literally, I get DMs on Instagram saying, this looks just like me. Did you sneak into my room and take pictures of me in the nude? I like to depict things that women are often told are undesirable, like big bellies. We all want to try the flat tummy tee. We all want to be sucking in and push the boobs out and push the booty out. But like... Like, I'll paint in the little jiggle under your arms. I'll throw in that double chin. I'll, you know, the hanging stomach, the cellulite on your butt. Like, I think it's like 90% of women have cellulite. Is it 95? Don't quote me. Like, I like to paint in cellulite and, and just normalize this. In the age of Instagram, I'm an, I'm an Instagram OG. And you remember when it first came out, everyone was airbrushed. And it was just really, really unrealistic standards even the celebrities that we see in the media they don't look like them nothing in these like them depictions so what i want to do was create an accurate depiction of fat people and sometimes people who are not fat still say that i look like this so that's pretty much the su- subject matter and i just i, I paint Black women, because I don't feel like there's enough art depicting black women. Absolutely. Of course there's not. And through that, you're helping all women, right? (laughs) Because essentially what you were just speaking to on Instagram, we don't need to go deeply into, you know, the shaming, the body shaming that every woman experiences throughout their lives. But it is just so important on platforms like Instagram to have the truth communicated Mm -hmm. no matter what that truth is. Absolutely. Especially like in the age of BBLs, like that's a very, I'm not shaming people who decide to enhance their bodies. That's their personal choice. But what I'm saying is you don't have to do that in order to be a thing of desire. You look fine as you are. If you want to alter yourself, that's your choice. If you want to lose weight, that's your choice. But what I'm trying to say is that is not necessary at all. And thank like you not- for that. Okay. Thank you so much. It's so important. This this seems like a good segue to begin talking about who or what has been instrumental in your success thus far, whether it's adding to your technical practice or supporting your passion about depicting the black female nude. Has there been anyone or anything that has really moved you to see the world or your art in a different way? Actually, it was a traumatizing experience that made me change the complete direction of my work. I went to a TV show taping with a friend. Uh, For the viewers that don't know what I look like, I'm a very voluptuous, shorter, black, fat woman. I weigh about like 320 pounds. So I went to a TV show taping with a friend of mine from grad school. She, she's, she's white and small frame. She might weigh 125 pounds at best. And so when you go to a TV show taping, typically they sit you and your party together. I don't really like the way the TV show taping did things. People don't know this, but they, they judge you when you come in based on what you're wearing and how they're going to seat you. People don't tell you that when you go to these tapings, like the next time that you go to, like you see like the live shows, I'm not going to name drop any of the shows, but if you like, just really look at the audience and when you're applying to sit in the audience, they encourage you dress your best dress to impress. And I was like, okay, great. I put on the baddest outfit that I had and I got dressed. And, you know, she was modestly dressed as well. And 
when we went, the, initially the producer was like, you guys look great. They put us on the front row. And I'm like, whoa, I'm excited to see the TV show host. Another producer came behind her, picked me. We were in the same party, so you're supposed to sit your party together. She picked me out of the crowd. I was like, no, you need to go back to the back. And I was like, no, the producer said I could sit up here. Like, what's the problem? And at first, so many things went through my mind because there were so many differences between me and the person that I went. I was like, is this a black and white thing? But as I looked at the front row, there were black people on the front row, but no one weighed over 150 pounds, if I'm being honest. And like, I looked around me, they were like, they were sort of like discriminatory based on age. Like nobody on the front row was over 30. She moved me because I was fat. And as I looked around me, who was placed on like the fifth and it sixth and seventh clear. rows, they were average looking women. They weren't quote unquote model-esque. And so I was so angry and I was like, I am the problem. At that point, another thing I remember when I was looking for a job, I was, it was, this was at another museum, not the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I wanted to work behind the counter. She, but the entryway to behind the counter was very narrow. And she's like, you're such a great candidate, but do you think you can fit back there? And I was like, are you serious? She's like, you know, I really would hire you, but you can't fit in the entryway. And God forbid, if you're wearing a coat during the winter, like that'll make you even bigger and you won't be able to fit back. So I'm sorry, it's going to be a no. So those very traumatizing experiences, this was before I knew about the plus size community. This was just me in New York. I didn't know anything and I didn't realize, that's why I talk about like the power of Instagram and connecting and things like that. I didn't know that there were so many other people who were experiencing the same thing that I was. That's what made me change, like those traumatizing experiences made me change the way that I do art. I am so sorry you yeah, had those fine. awful experiences. Terrible. Yes. When I tell you, they moved me from the front row wow. to like the back. And then the other producer was sort of fighting with her coworker. Like, no, I said she could be in the front. Well, at 41 years old, I guess I would have been in the back with you, Deja. No. <laughs> that is fucked up. Yeah, it I is. I am so sorry that happened to you. I can appreciate that being such a driving force behind your work and how you are communicating with your community and your audience and how important and ultimately beautiful that is. This is a perfect time to talk about who is your audience through your career who have you noticed spending time with your work or collecting your work? Is it a specific group of people? Is it all over the place? Is it, I know you're an emerging artist. I'm so, very emerging. Yeah. Super new, super new to the game. But um, I can't say that I have like a specific uh, demographic. Like uh, you'd be surprised, like some men who are in their mid 50s would buy the work and then, you know, it, it just, it really varies. I'm just glad that I'm not, I'm glad that other people outside my initially targeted audience can see beauty in my work. And I'm glad that people of all different backgrounds, different demographics and things like that, they can appreciate the work. So it's not really specific. It's really for anybody. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. So if you enjoy it, I appreciate it. I'm not really targeting anyone. Like I am representing, you know, of course, sure. fat black women, but it's intended for whoever appreciates it, honestly. That's the beauty of art and the yes, audience. I've been very shocked by people who said, like, they liked it. So, again, you consider yourself an emerging artist. Absolutely. You graduated. Mm -hmm. You had your 
MFA graduation via Zoom. Oh, yes. Grad school. Which is hell. At the last... Yeah, of course. So you guys don't know. Of course, you all know about COVID, things like that. I did not have access to my studio. Um, It was very abrupt. You know, when they announced that the COVID outbreak um, was in New York City, I was actually in class and my professor is like midway through a lecture. He's like, oh, wait, we have to go. I thought that I was probably going to go to my like, oh, I probably won't be able to come back for the weekend. I'm thinking this is sweet class out for early for the day. I was I was a little excited. I'm not going to lie. I was like, yeah, I've got some work to do that I need to catch up on. That's sort of how it was. And I did not return to that studio for almost a year after that. I didn't know that that would be my last time in the studio. And at that time, I shared a one-bedroom apartment with um, and a, a middle-aged gentleman. And so literally my studio, I still had the drive to make work. Artist, lawyer, doctor, student, being able to find a way to adapt over Mm -hmm. the last two years to continue the trajectory of your career was everything. Because we all had those moments during COVID where it was like, okay, this (laughs) is bad. I've worked really hard to get to where I am now. Absolutely. Why did I <laughs> why did I work this hard? Absolutely. If everything is just going to stop and I think, you know, we all as a specifically as an art community really had major internal battles. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to be honest, seeing all those nurses being <laughs> And like gainfully employed during COVID, you remember they were paying them like and it was rightfully deserved. Like, I really appreciate everything that healthcare workers have done. Shout out to my sister, Margot McElreath, for being on the front lines at NYU during COVID a year or two out of nursing school. I love you, Margot. Go you. (laughs) She sounds fantastic, but it, I did have a sense of regret. I was like, man, maybe I should have gone to nursing yes. school because I saw like I saw the rates in which sure. the travel nurses were being paid. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're sitting here in a corner in a in a small apartment in a room making your silly little paintings on unemployment, you know. So I I do know because in my (laughs) own way, I was like, why did you ever leave a salaried position, Emily? You are an entrepreneur. You have no idea what's going to happen now. And I, too, was looking at these professions that were, you know, secure. Absolutely. For lack of a better word. You know, there was no security within the art world. It made you quite, I mean, I, I'm sure you felt this too. At some point I was like, "Why? what am I even doing working in the art world? What is art? Art yes. doesn't matter. You know, I had a few months <laughs> where I like went there too. Meanwhile, yeah. art is everything to me. But right. I was questioning the core of my existence right. in this world. Like, am I delusional? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. What the fuck are we doing looking at these paintings, you know? Yeah. You remember there was a point in time when 
all the we couldn't see work in person anymore. Yes. So it was everything like behind the screen. And I remember I remember going to my first gallery, probably I didn't go to like the end of July. And I was like, I saw the same pieces online. But they like it it did not do justice to the pieces. And I was like, what a disservice this is to people who work with like texture. And you of course, like um you know, the saturation of colors don't really sure. show as well online sometimes. So it was something else. Yeah, I, I curated a few online exhibitions and it just pained me to only be able to present Two these dimensional. paintings yes. through mm-hmm. the screen. You know, it doesn't, like you said, it just doesn't do them justice. No. Some are better than others, right? Absolutely, but, the way that they portray, yeah, the, the way that they look online, yes. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was it was so unfortunate. But anyway, we we got through. We're getting through it. Absolutely. I, I, I like you. Hope we're at the end of the COVID road. But I just I think that's so admirable that you were again able to adapt to the situation. You didn't know you were leaving your studio for a year. You went home. You were living with some creep. Pretty much. (laughs) You got your brushes. You got the smaller canvases. You painted. And it's that tenacity within, you know, a career as an artist that is so imperative to success. And I think, you know, the second I met you, it kind of, you exude this confidence and tenacity and it's important for artists to hear this you know and listen it's not hopefully we won't be dealing with pandemics every couple years but (laughs) there are things obviously life is life and it happens and you know I, I I do know that if you care about being a successful artist Especially in New York. I mean, everyone big here is fish, talented. Small pond, small yeah. fish, big pond. Some people want different things. But if you're coming to New York, you're with the big dogs. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Okay, As sure. a young artist coming to New York, I mean, you're you just said it. You're with the big dogs. I mean, this is this has to be one of the most overwhelming, scary moves an artist can make, right? Yes, it was. I, I, I didn't plan to come to New York. That's the funny thing. Like, it, it was... New York City really wasn't on my radar when I lived in Mississippi. Really? My idea of making it big would be like, I'm moving to Texas and I'm going to go to the big city. <laughs> and I'm sure there are big cities in Texas, but like, that, sure, was, that sure. was all that was on my uh, radar. I remember in my last year of undergrad, I had a visiting professor to come. Um, I think she used to teach at like some of the art institutes, I think. And she literally told me, she said, um, yeah, you're the superstar here, but uh, that's not going to be the case when you move to New York. And I thought she was just so cruel <laughs> when she said that, but she was right. Small fish, big Yeah, pond. everyone, everyone, like, and when I moved to New York, everyone can paint, everyone can draw, everyone can sing, dance, act, all of that. So it was, it was really overwhelming and I felt like it was a great experience. I learned from a lot of artists and just seeing those success stories. It was really great. It was empowering more so than anything to see like su- the success stories that I was unaware of and things. So it was really a fantastic experience seeing exhibitions. And like, I had never seen like things that I grew up 
pieces that I saw in textbooks to actually go see them in person. Uh, it was just really like an overwhelming experience. It was hard adjusting to New York City, of course. You know, I didn't even know how to ride the subway. But yeah, it was, a, it was a great... Yeah, the you hard learn way. real fast. Yeah, really yeah. fast. Real really fast, fast. You learn how so to. So it was, ride a, it was a beautiful experience. I was able to. I just took everything as a learning experience, and I just absorbed it like a sponge. Well, that's. I can't think of anything more inspirational than that. Deja, what do you wish someone had told you when you started out as an artist? Let's say during undergraduate school. That you can have a career in the arts. That's that's all I wish. You can have a job. I literally am making a living as a professional artist. I didn't know that that was a thing. I wish someone told me. And I could I could have spent more time in the studio instead of in labs and pretending to know what I'm looking at in petri dishes. Like, I you know that's what I wish someone would have told me that you can have. You can. Support yourself, whether it be modest or not. Right now, it's looking real modest. But you can support yourself as a professional artist. That's what I wish someone should have told me. I love that. It's so important for artists to hear that. Who are some of the other artists on your radar that you want to give some shout-outs to right now? Okay, so um, one person that's very lovely that I met in grad school who really helped me out is Ryan Wild. She is um she was very very influential in in my time in grad school. I would say that I learned more from Ryan Wild than anyone. Like she 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 taught me she taught me technical things. She taught me certain networking skills that I was like unaware of at the time. Uh, she's just she's a friend of mine, but she also served as like a mentor to me in some ways. And I just really am grateful that I got to know someone like that. What's next for you? I do not know. <laughs> I'm thinking about um, exploring my subject matter as an artist. I don't want to be labeled as like, oh, she just faints fat people, you know? Like I have other ideas, other things that I would like to say. And so right now I'm going, there's going to be a shift in my body of work and I'm still trying to sort that out now, but I'm looking to introduce new ideas, little parts of my brain that no one really have, you know, had access to until now. And I would like to introduce that yeah, I have very vivid, like, dreams, like, literal dreams, not, like, aspirational dreams, like, literal literal dreams. So I th- I'm thinking about starting, you know, a body of work based on that, like, the real-life experiences that I have when I'm asleep. I don't know. That's something I might be interested in exploring. I don't know. I might just revert back to painting fat women. We don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you're exploring that, and whatever it is, we can't wait. To see this new body of work. And Deja, you have two Instagram handles. Yes. Is that by choice? Is is one just your artwork and one personal? Was one taken down? Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. So, totally Instagram. Like, 
before there was a lot of backlash. I don't know if it was like around 2018, 2019. I would post photos that glorified the fat black body and I got shadow banned. I remember getting like alerts like your post was removed for like sexual content, nudity, things like that. It was really a double standard between me and other content creators who did not look like me. So the reason that I have two Instagrams is because I Instagram, I don't want to say Instagram is my life, but that's the way that I connect with a lot of people and people can keep up with updates with with me. So I created um, the Art of Deja Patterson just in case my main page, Wonderfully Artistic, gets taken down. I didn't want to just lose my network of followers and some curators, other artists, friends, and things like that. So that's the reason I have two Instagram. You're potentially losing business. Art of Deja Patterson is essentially a backup page. I don't, I, I post more sparsely there, but you know, it's a backup page. So that's why I have it. And on that note, I just, I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you for having me. We're all so excited to see what's next for you. And I have no doubt that in the next five years, we're going to be seeing a hell of a lot more from Deja Patterson. So thanks again, Hopefully Deja. Hopefully so. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Art Career. If you get value from this podcast, please consider helping me make more of these episodes by becoming an Art Career Premium member at theartcareer.supercast.com. That's theartcareer.supercast.com. S-U-P-E-R-C-A-S-T dot com. And please don't forget to rate and review. Every rating counts. Thanks so much.